Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of You Can't Handle the Truth. Today's episode we're going to be talking about one of Netflix's latest films. I keep doing Netflix films recently, even though this may be the first one I upload. I've got about three or four in the oven, just baking, ready to upload, so I just need to edit them. But yeah, it's a busy time for Netflix, they've had a lot out, and today we're going to be talking about The Harder They Fall... And this will be the spoiler review, and I don't know how long I'm going to talk for, but there's a lot of things I want to say, and I love it. I love this film so much. You know how there's some films that when you're watching it, you just know this is great. Like, you're watching it and you're thinking, I'm witnessing something fantastic here. Like, it's really fun, it's really exciting, just everything seems to be working. And this is one of those films, I haven't had this experience in, I, I don't know when the last time was. Maybe Shang-Chi, maybe that kind of really made me love cinema. And now this is just the same. This one, as I was watching it, even even though I was watching it at home on a small TV, you still just feel hooked by it. It's just terrific. So this is one of those films where you're just in for the ride, and it's a hell of a ride. Now, I love westerns. I don't know what it is about them, but it's just one of my favourite genres You know, I love everything from Django to Hostiles and Blazing Saddles, Westworld, all the rest of that. They're amazing, okay? You can never get tired of westerns. It seems to be not really a dying genre, just more of a take your time with it. You know, you don't really see many. It's usually just a couple a year. I know recently there's actually been quite a few. So there's The Power of the Dog, which has just come out on Netflix or is just coming out. Cry Macho was a couple of weeks ago. Now this, also a couple of weeks ago, but still. I'm reviewing it now, I've just watched it, it's so, so good. I love westerns, I love everything about this film, because what it does, first of all, is something very clever and very important that people need to understand. These people were real, but the story is made up. So it does say at the start, what you're about to watch is a fictional tale. However, these people existed, so it's just really insightful, because every single other western that we see or we have seen for years now it's predominantly white which is it's not great okay it's not great at all but i still like westerns i love the way that they're presented and i love just that whole aesthetic you know the wild west it's brutal it's cutthroat it's fantastic you know it's not a nice place but it's exciting and thrilling and this is one of those films that highlights all of that and just makes it so fun because yeah it's harsh and it's brutal And luckily this film is rated 15, thank God, because if it was rated anything lower, it would be rubbish. Okay, look look at Magnificent Seven remake, that is just trash, because it's 12 rated, and you can't have a Wild West film that's 12 rated, you just can't, (laughs) it's stupid. So there's tons of blood, there's tons of shooting, there's tons of swearing, it's just really quite heavy with its depiction of the Wild West, and that's what makes it work so well, because you kind of know what to expect, you know, you've got the similar characters through every single trope in every single film, you know, there's the outlaws, and there's a villain, there's bank robbers, whatever, you know, there's a train robbery, all that sort of thing, it's just classic western, however, it spins it on its head because this is an all-black western, so the entire main cast in this are all black actors, and it's so good to see, it's so amazing and charismatic the amount of charisma in this film is uncalled for it's honestly shockingly great so you've got Jonathan Majors at the forefront who is 
such an amazing actor. He's honestly one of the best up and coming actors. And I really hope people you know, get him on their radars because he's one to watch. He really is. From The Last Black Man in San Francisco to The Five Bloods. And I think he was in Hostiles actually briefly. And he's also going to be in Ant-Man 3. He's going to be Kang. We did see him in Loki. And in that already, he was only in one episode of Loki. And that was the best episode that came out for that. Because he was just spellbindingly good. And in this film, he is just one of a kind. I really hope he gets Oscar nominated. Or like at least some recognition. Because he's stunning in this. He's so, so good. And I think it works even better when you listen to the script. Because... I don't think I've listened to a better script this year. I don't think I've witnessed one because it's just so perfect for what this world is setting up and who these characters are, who they're being played by with the actors. It's just absolutely perfect. You know, what you're listening to, you're just smiling. Like, even though there's some harsh depictions and well, to be fair, even though I say that, You've got, like, obviously the race implications at times, and it flips it on its head as well because there are so many fun moments where it just takes everything you think you know and says, how about we do it in a different way? And I love that, so I'll get onto that. But what I love is how all of these black characters, they are just so strong and so powerful, and yes, there's some dilemmas, and yes, there's some tension, but for the most part, they're all just strong, independent forces of nature, and this is great to see. And I love watching a film like this because, you know, similar to Django, how Django is the main hero. However, the whole thing starts with him in slavery and how there's a real suffering for the black community. However, in this film, there's not, you know, there's no real suffering had by anybody except for when they kill people and whatnot. But still, and the start, which, you know, involves young Jonathan Majors witnessing his parents being killed, which is bad. Yeah, absolutely. That's terrible. However, it just feels as though every single black character in this is empowered, and that's what I want to see. This is the kind of film we all deserve to see. This is amazing representation, but it's just a stunning film. doesn't even matter about representation. doesn't matter about what it does in the wider scheme of things. What matters is, how is it as a film? And this right here is a masterpiece. It's an absolute masterpiece. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, let's talk about um, the rest of the cast, because I mentioned Jonathan Majors. Who else is in this? Jesus Christ. So many people. So many amazing actors. You've got Idris Elba, Delroy Lindo, Regina King, Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield. Just so many amazing powerhouse performers. And they're all just full of charisma. Like you look at something like Black Klansman or you look at any single film that John David Washington is in. He just oozes charisma. That's exactly the same with Jonathan Majors and a lot of the other actors in this film. It's just so fun to watch. All these actors have fun with it. Because like I said, there's no real tension in terms of suffering. So people can have fun. You know, Jonathan Majors, he's going through a lot and he's been scarred ever since he was a child. However, he's just delivering these lines with such charm and charisma. It's phenomenal to see and it's so interesting and exciting how everybody interacts with one another and the fact there's two rival gangs one of them led by Idris Elba the other one led by Jonathan Majors and by the time they come together and well basically fight and have a bit of tension between each other it's just oh it's so amazing to see it's so so good to see because usually in westerns you have one side that you're rooting for against another evil and there's a lot of imagery at play here in terms of God and religion and the devil and all that stuff. Because 
when he was a child, Idris Elba was the one that killed his parents and he scarred his forehead with a cross. And now he's got this cross on him the whole time, like he's some angel or like he's, you know, Jesus, because he's going to fight the devil. And they do keep referencing the fact that is Idris Elba's character the devil? And so when you look at it like that, you've got this guy with a literal cross on his forehead going off to fight against the devil. Like that is just plain and simple religious imagery right there, religious connotations, but it's just so good. And there's so many great lines about Idris Elba being the devil. But Delroy Lindo, God, he gives such a cracker of a one-liner. Somebody says Rufus Buck, who is Idris Elba's character, he's the devil. And then Delroy Lindo says, he ain't the devil, the devil's white. And I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I think that is so good. It's so on the nose because there's a lot of self-referential nods to the fact that white characters are in different roles in this film. So every single side character or the villains, they're mainly white. And so... It's kind of flipping what we've seen before on its head, but the cast are aware of this, and every single actor, when they're delivering these lines, they're saying it in a way that what we've seen before is just stupid, and this should be the new way of seeing things. You know, We shouldn't have just one way of looking at things throughout society, throughout life, throughout history. We should you know, see things from different perspectives, and now when they go to rob the bank in, I can't remember the town's name, but it's a white town, because you know everybody's white, and so they arrive there, and I don't think I've laughed and just been so shocked <laughs> in a very long time, but it's so amazing, and what they do is going to anger so many people. <laughs> and I love that. I love the commitment that they have to just going so far out and making it like kind of shocking, but in such an amazing way. So they arrive in this white town, and everything is painted white. You know, there's just sheets of white everywhere like when they walk onto the set it's literally like a set so you look at blazing saddles how that was shot in the set you know any western it's not actually shot in the wild west it's shot just on a studio set with all the wooden backdrops and the saloons and whatnot it, there's no actual buildings there it's just that simple set and everything's painted white like that is just the most genius thing i've ever seen they go to a white town because everybody's white and it's all just painted white and the sand is white the clothes are white everything's white <laughs> it's like they've entered heaven it's just so white and it comes up with the location title card for where they've arrived and it says in brackets it's a white town <laughs> and it's brilliant honestly that's one of the smartest moves in a film i've ever seen like honestly in my life it's just fantastic i really think that it's gonna upset a lot of racist people and I'm here for that <laughs> it's brilliant so there's so many amazing things in the script and in the set design in the costume design everything just works so well together the cinematography my god it is so so beautiful because it has a lot of the typical tropes that you'd see in cinematography within western so it's got the close-ups it's got just the shot of their eyes it's got the slow cuts panning up bodies and the massive landscape, the establishing shots to arrive in a scene, it's beautiful, okay? It's absolutely stunning to watch. Not only is it so well directed, but the editing is fantastic too. It's so well paced at times. There's a few parts towards the end where it starts to drag a little bit, because it is quite long, it's 2 hours 19 minutes, I think. So, you know, it's quite a long one. However, it doesn't feel that long. It's just, towards the end, it starts cutting a little bit weird during the shootout, so it'll cut from one thing to another, and kind of take you out of one scene 
to try and keep that momentum up and put you into another, but it doesn't fully land. However, the pacing through the whole film is very good and very exciting to watch because this ain't like any other Western you've seen before, even though it's got so many different ideologies that have been seen before, but it just flips it, you know, it just sticks it in a blender and says, try this, and my God, it is beautiful. It is so stunning. And one of my favourites of the year, hands down, one of my favourite films of the year. The only thing is, I don't know if I want to watch it again. I really, I really want to. And I've listened to the music again because that's equally just as great. However, it feels to me, as I was watching it, it's one of those films that you don't want to watch too much because it'll ruin it. And it's annoying because I would love to watch it again just as soon as possible, but... I feel like I can't. I feel like you've got to let it just marinate a bit and you've got to appreciate it in a one-time, two-time watch thing because it's just so, so good. But it will lose that oomph if you do just keep watching it. And I love to keep watching films again and again, mainly at the cinema. It's a little bit harder for me to watch the same film again on Netflix or whatever. However, I do think I'm fighting an urge to rewatch it again so soon because I have just watched it yesterday. But I think give it a few days, maybe a week, then I'll rewatch it and I'll love it again, no doubt. It's just one of these films that you've really got to appreciate what it is and what it's doing and how fun it is. Because, God, it's just a barrel of laughs at times. But I don't know if it's trying to be properly funny, but it just works. Like every single thing lands the script. There's so many moments that just have me laughing because it's just so great on the ears. You know, it's one of these films that you can just listen to. And it's like, oh, God, that is good. It's like, you know, in Hot Fuzz, when they go to the performance of Romeo and Juliet. And afterwards, Nicholas Angel says to Martin Blower, drive safe. And then Danny is like, oh, drive safe. You know, that kind of line just makes you go, oh, Oh, that is good. So there's a bit towards the start, just as the opening credits come up, which is just so fun as well. Like the opening credits are fantastic, visually stunning, audibly stunning, just really clever, really unique, really good. And so just before the credits come up, it's amazing because Johnson Majors goes to this church and he kills one of the guys that came to hurt his parents when he was younger. And he just puts like three bullets in him and in between each one, it comes up with the title. So it's like, bang, the harder, bang, they, bang, fall. And that kind of thing is stunning. You know, that kind of freeze frame technique that they've used in between shooting him with the blood splicing everywhere and the camera angle changing. I was not expecting that. I really was not expecting that at all. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, God, we are in for a treat. We are in for an absolute hell of a ride. And I wasn't wrong. I was far from wrong. It was fantastic. So there's a line just after that. I think, I can't remember if it's before the credits or if it's just after, but when he says to the priest that's in there, take him in and redeem his bounty, he's worth 5,000. And then the priest goes, why don't you just take him in yourself if he's worth 5,000? And the camera's behind Jonathan Majors and he just looks ever slightly down and towards the camera and he just says, I'm worth 10. <laughs> At that point, I lost it because that is such a perfect line. Like, you do not get much better than that. I'm worth 10. Oh my god. How have they pulled this off? 
Oh my goodness. Oh no, I can't. I honestly can't with this film. I can't with how how good the script is. Oh, I want to read it. I want to watch it again purely for the script. It's just so so good. God, and the characters are amazing. So I really like Nat Love, Jonathan Major's character. He's a great leader. He's a great charismatic guy. His gang are all brilliant. There's so many different characters. Yeah, you've seen a few of them before because you've got like the quick shooter, you've got the sniper guy, you've got the badass woman, you've got all these different characters blending so well together. There's such great chemistry between every single actor in this whole film. Even the enemies, okay? Even Idris Elba, who isn't really a likeable guy, the chemistry he has with the other people in the film is so good. It's so, so good. And his accent does go a little bit off at times, but that's just Idris Elba, and he's a legend. I still love him. He's so good in this. He's so good in everything. But it's all about Jonathan Majors. It really is all about him. And to be fair, Lakeith Stanfield as well. Like, Lakeith Stanfield is one of these actors where whatever he's in, whether it's a supporting role, whether it's the lead role, he's just so good. He's such an amazing actor too. And, you know, I love him in Uncut Gems and Get Out as well. But this, he's so good in, even though his character ain't likeable at all because he kills, this is the spoilers, but he does kill the quick shooter in Nat Love's gang. Which is a real shame, and I knew it was going to happen. You know full well what is going to happen. They're having a standoff, and the guy in Nat Love's gang believes that he's quicker than Lakeith Stanfield's Cherokee Bill. So Cherokee Bill says, on the count of five, we draw, and, you know, whoever's left standing wins, obviously, because the other one's going to die. And so Jim Beckworth is the kid's name, because he's not that old, he is just a kid. But he's such a great quick-draw shooter, so... He's counting to five and he's taking it really slow and he's loading his bullet with Cherokee Bill's name on it because that's the one that he's going to kill him with. And you know, you know what's going to happen. So he honestly counts down so slowly. He's like five and he's loading up the gun and he's just, you know, playing up to it all. Four. And then he gets to three and he looks at him. He looks at Cherokee Bill and he gets shot in the cheek. And you know, you know that's going to happen. You know that... Cherokee Bill is going to cheat technically. He's going to shoot on three. I've seen that before in a Western. I think it was A Million Ways to Die in the West. I'm pretty sure that had it when Seth MacFarlane was going up to shoot against Liam Neeson and Charlie Theron told him he always shoots on three. So I knew this was going to happen. You know, the same thing happened in that, same thing happened in this. He's going to shoot earlier. He's just going to get it over with. And it's cheating and it's annoying, but it had to happen. Okay, it had to happen. And Right before this bit is one of my favourite camera movements I think I've ever seen. I teased it slightly in the non-spoiler review, or did I say it all? No, I didn't actually say it all, but in this I'll say it. So it's the moment when Nat Love comes back into Redwood with the money that he owes Rufus Buck, and Lucky Stanfield checks the money, and then Nat Love's walking away, and he just goes, really? And then the camera is focused on Nat Love on the right-hand side of the frame, then it just moves ever so slightly and Nat Love is in the centre of the frame and in the right of the frame now, you've got Cherokee Bill standing with a gun to the back of his head. Now that's beautiful, okay, that right there I thought, God, that's a great shot. And then it gets better, it gets so much better. They go for one more and this time the camera moves again, so Nat Love is now in the left-hand side of the frame and in the middle is Cherokee Bill and in the right is Jim Beckworth standing behind Cherokee Bill pointing a gun at the back of his head now so it's just a line of people shooting each other and it looks gorgeous it looks so so good I really was not expecting a shot like that but it's just one of these things where it's spellbinding you're like 
<laughs> as if they've done that. God, I love it. There's so many moments in this film and James Samuel directs the hell out of it. This is his feature film debut and he does such an amazing job. What he's paired with the cinematography, with the editing, with the writing and the music as well. Music choice is great. The way it's used is pretty damn good. A few times it sort of just lingers a bit too long and, you know, it kind of cuts too early as well at times. So if they manage to balance how the music was used just a little bit better, this would be a literally borderline perfect film. But, you know, because of those slight little nitpicky issues and the pacing here and there, I can't say it's fully perfect. However, it doesn't need to be. It really doesn't need to be perfect to be this fun. And you know, no Western is ever perfect. Not a single Western is perfect, but it doesn't need to be. You know, the Western is rough around the edges. It's pretty brutal and shoddy at times. And every single film that has a Western setting needs to understand that. And this is one of those films that really does and really benefits from how some of the errors and some of the mistakes play into it all. Yeah, there's no denying that the positives outweigh the negatives so much. Like, there is literally only a couple of negatives that I can think of. There's nothing major at all that I can really pinpoint. Like, every single detail on a technical level, on a professional level, on an acting level, every single detail is just stunning, and I loved, I thoroughly, thoroughly loved it. So, as far as the negatives go, I really can't say much at all, except for, even though the music is great, there are just a few times when, say, they're robbing the bank and the music starts to pick up and then it just cuts. And I know it's supposed to be a harsh cut and it's supposed to be quite a comedic cut as well, going immediately to a shot of them looking at the money and saying how it's not much. But at the same time, it could have built up something even better if it carried on with the music, if it carried on with some of the other scenes. However, this only happens a couple of times. It really happens like once, maybe twice. So I can't complain. I cannot complain about that at all. I'm just trying to be, you know, level-headed and fair. Even though I would love to say it's a perfect film, but you know, I can't. I can't be too nice about it. I've got to be fair. I've got to be fair. But yeah, everything else I loved. I think the twist as well. The twist is so good. I did not see the twist coming at all. Like honestly, at all. I had my suspicions that something was going on. But when the twist turns out to be that Nat Love and Rufus Buck are brothers, so Idris Elba killed his own father right at the start when he was killing Nat Love's father because he used to be a brute, he used to be a horrible guy, and then he changed his ways and he became a new man, got a new wife, had a new kid, and then it's the big reveal that he was the same father. So what the hell? I did not see that coming at all. I was really left kind of speechless by that. I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I thought something was going to happen and Nat Love was going to like secretly work for them, work for the enemy. But nope, nothing like that. It's just the fact that they are brothers and then he kills Rufus Buck and it's brutal. Like it's so bad because... He puts like, I don't know, four or five bullets in him and then he just keeps shooting. And even though the gun isn't firing anymore because it's empty, he just keeps clicking it. He keeps pulling the trigger and it's kind of heartbreaking because he just wants to really just kill him again and again and again and again and again. Just putting so many imaginary bullets in him per se. And that right there is just so powerful. You know, that is incredibly powerful in terms of what it means to him, the fact that they were brothers, but... You know, he still has to do this. He still has to kill him. And God, honestly, as I'm talking about this, I just love it. I love this film. I cannot praise it enough. Go and watch it. The Heart of They Fall. It's on Netflix. It's stunning. Absolutely stunning. 
God, I want to watch it again. I want to, but I can't. I shouldn't. I won't. But I want to. <laughs> but, yeah, everybody else is amazing. Delroy Lindo, once again, such an amazing actor, but brilliant in this. So, so good. He has an amazing moment. He's walking with one of the guys. I can't remember who it is. Cherokee Bill. Is it Cherokee Bill? I think it is. And, God, there's a callback here that is so perfect. <laughs> he, he, he gets approached um, after coming into Redwood. He gets approached by one of the little henchmen heavies. And then the heavy goes to him. I bet you my right arm that I've got a higher body count than you. And then Delroy Lindo's character goes, you don't want to make that bet, son. And as he walks off away from the carriage, he walks with Cherokee Bill. And the guy that he's just been speaking to is by the carriage. And just completely randomly, I knew something was going to happen again. I knew that it was going to explode because it does. So the carriage explodes just as they're walking and it's perfect. It's so fun because it's just completely out of the blue. Even though you know it's coming, it's so out of the blue and so just perfect. And so Delroy Lindo's walking away. He's got his hands in the air and then it just explodes and an arm lands right next to him. <laughs> the heavy's just been blown up. And his arm just lands next to him. And he goes, is that his right arm? <laughs> that callback is just so beautiful. So perfect. This is the kind of Western that is fun as well as being brutal. Because, you know, a guy has just been blown up and his arm amputated off of his body. And all of this for a gag. All of this for a little joke that made me laugh. It looked so fun to be involved in that sort of thing for Delroy Lindo, for... Everybody on set, just, oh god, the whole cast is having fun, the whole crew is having fun. This is what happens when you perfect the perfect trio, the incredible script, the incredible actors giving incredible performances. Like That triage right there is everything, and very rarely that happens in a film. Like Very, very rarely can all three happen in one film. But this is it, this is it right here, and like I said... One of my favourites of the year. I think top three, top five at least. 100%. It's got to be. You know, I know we've still got a month left of 2021, but I can't imagine there's much else coming out that I'm going to put higher than this. I mean, I'm excited for Spider-Man. I'm excited for The Matrix 4, but this is one of those films that you're watching and you think, I'm witnessing something incredible here. Something really special, really unique and monumental. You know, not just for Hollywood, not just for... The film industry but for society as a whole watching a black-led western with all these amazing characters you know this is the kind of thing i want to see more of and whatever james samuel the director does next i'm gonna watch it i'm so excited for it and i kind of hope he does something like edgar wright's done with the whole anthology series i would love it if they have the same cast brought back but have it in a different time setting have a different sort of film but just anything to have these characters back in it. Because when they work together, they work so well. And this is the second time, I believe, or at least the second time anyway, that uh, Delroy Lindo has worked with Jonathan Majors because they were both in The Five Bloods, Spike Lee's film last year for Netflix as well. And it's just amazing. It's so, so good. And Delroy Lindo has literally just been cast in the reboot of Blade for Marvel in a couple of years' time. I'm even more excited for that film now. <laughs> Because as if I wasn't excited enough for freaking Blade, like such an amazing character, such an amazing film in the 90s, but rebooting it, I'm excited for. And now adding Delroy Lindo, just what an actor, what a casting that is. 
Cannot wait for that. Cannot wait for whatever this director does next. Cannot wait for what this cast do next. You know, Regina King, once again, amazing actor. She's so good in Watchmen, and she's great in everything. Okay, If Beale Street could talk, you know, Friday, everything. Okay, she's just such an amazing actor. She's a good director. Like, I didn't like One Night in Miami that much, her directorial debut earlier in the year. Like, it was good, but I didn't love it. But she's such an amazing woman. Like, she's such an amazing person, and she's great in this. She's different in this. You know, this is kind of a different performance from her. But it's one that's really iconic and really exciting to see. And right at the very end, I was not expecting this, but it's kind of teased that she actually survived. So, okay, <laughs> I'm interested in that. If we get a sequel, I'm here for that. I'm so down for that. It's a shame that Idris Elba had to die because I would love to see him return. And the same with Jim Beckworth. I would love for him to have survived because he was a great character, but unfortunately he died. But either way, a sequel would be very much appreciated. So if Regina King comes back, wow. You know, I, I would be genuinely surprised because I, I was honestly speechless when that final shot happened. So it's a really wide panning shot of the desert landscape with them riding off. And there's a silhouette of somebody standing on a hill holding the hat that she was wearing throughout. So damn, like, really damn. I did not expect that. Amazing. This film is just one of a kind and absolutely phenomenal. I, I really urge everybody to watch it. You will not regret it. You will have an absolute blast just like I did. You know, from the music to the performances to the script, absolutely every single detail will have you in awe of, will have you just laughing or smiling. I was smiling through the whole of this film, which is just what I want from a Western because, yeah, they're very brutal at times. <laughs> they're, they're very harsh realities. And you know, playing games like Red Dead Redemption 2, the first one even, these Western games, these Western films, all this Western media that we see, it's really quite depressing, you know, it's not a nice place to live, it's not a nice place to experience, but there's something desirable about it, there's something so interesting that makes you want to go back for more, but a film like this, you're just smiling constantly through it, and you're just thinking, wow, wow, this is good. So I love seeing it and, you know, things like Django sort of do it because, you know, by the end it turns into one of the most fun films you could watch because any Tarantino film gets to that stage right at the very end. But for a lot of it, it is horrible to see because of all the slavery and the racism that takes place. But there isn't that in this film. There isn't that hardcore racism that's been in other films. If anything, there's the opposite of racism because, you know, the whole white town situation and, you know, having the white characters in these different situations, which is brilliant. I love seeing that. I don't care if that's racist in the other direction. I think that's brilliant. I want to see more of that. So, yeah, I loved this film. I think even though I'm probably not the target audience, I had a blast. I think it is one of the best films I've seen in years. So yeah, go and watch it. The Harder They Fall. It's amazing. It's so, so good. And with that, I think I'm done. I don't want to talk too much. But at the same time, I could just simp over this film for days. It's just one of a kind. It really is special. This film is special. So with that, The Harder They Fall. Go and watch it. And I shall speak to you in the next episode of You Can't Handle the Truth.